other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Valentine's Day to everybody who is celebrating. But um, Valentine's Day can be a tough day as well. If you're in a relationship, it can become a day where there's a lot of pressure, especially if you're early in a relationship, right? There's a lot of pressure. Okay, do I get a gift? What kind of gift do I get? Uh, do I, if I get a really elaborate gift, will she think I'm coming on too strong? If I don't get a gift that's uh, elaborate or expensive enough, then she's going to think uh, that I'm a loser. Uh, do I get chocolates? Do I get flowers? Uh, do we go out? Where do we go? There's a lot of pressure if you're in a relationship. There's also a lot of pressure if you're not in a relationship. Everyone goes and uh, uh, there's all, all this pressure to have a Valentine, to go out on Valentine's Day, to do something on Valentine's Day. Well, it struck me as a good opportunity to talk about uh, relationships and love with somebody who is something of an expert in this. Julia Bendis, uh, she is a star matchmaker. She is an author and uh, born originally in the Soviet Union and uh, lived in Latvia for a time as well. Julia, it is great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Frank. Happy Valentine's Day to you. How does one get into the matchmaking business? (laughs) Yeah, that's a funny story. You know, it's so interesting because every woman in my family has done this for generations. It's kind of a cultural thing, I think. My mom did this. My grandma did this just for fun as a hobby, of course. And uh, my mom's side of the family is from Ukraine. I was born in Ukraine, but we lived in, in the Baltics in Latvia. And it was just, I really think it was just a cultural thing We always, and I've always wanted to connect people, whether it was for love, for work, for whatever it is. I remember doing it as a child. You know, so-and-so needs a shovel. Here, let me take your shovel, give it to so-and-so because they need it. You give them something else. You know, it's just that connecting that I fell in love with that I always wanted to help people. And, you know, my husband told me, I mean, we've been married 25 years this summer, And he finally told me after years of me just meddling in people's love lives, sex lives, everything. He just said, just start your own company. Just, it's enough. Like, stop approaching strangers on the street, asking them if they're single. Just do it professionally. I thought, is that possible? Like, is that really something I can do? And apparently it's needed. So that's kind of how it started. How do you know when you're seeking to... Uh, match a couple. 
How do you know that uh, person A is likely to be compatible with person B? What characteristics, what qualities are you on the lookout for when you're finding potential mates for others? Well, you know, the interesting thing is when people come to me, they already have this whole list, right, of things that they want in a partner. And then when I start talking to them, the more we talk about it, the more it's just this preconceived notion that they think they should have all those things and it's really not. Or they feel this pressure from their family or a culture or society, whatever it is. So I just feel it. I honestly can't even explain it. I feel it and it's happened so many times where I just look at their picture, one picture and I look at the other picture and I look. I just look for things that they might not even see themselves. And of course, I'm going to take in consideration what they're asking for, right? I'm not going to set them up with someone that's complete opposite of what they want. But a lot of it is just a gut instinct and just knowing that these two people should meet for whatever reason. And it usually has worked. So, but, you know, over the years, I've fine-tuned it. There's a whole form they have to fill out. There's a consultation that we do, and we work on it together. It's it's a process, obviously. It's not an overnight thing. Unlike some people think, they think I'm a magician. I'm not. <laughs> We're talking with Julia Bendis. If you want to check out her website, by the way, you can go to matchbyjulia.com. That's matchbyjulia.com. Julia, do you get do you get hired by both men and women, or do you have a special specialization with one gender or the other? No, I get hired by every gender, and it's just um, it's it's pretty interesting the age range, the cultures that hire me. People from all over the country. I even have some clients uh, overseas in Europe. So it, the youngest client I would say was. Um, 25, which was a little bit on the young side. I don't like to work with people under the age of 30. You know, they're still not quite serious. Mm. And the oldest was, you know, I keep telling the story, the, this guy named Marvin, who was 84 years old, but he kept forgetting how old he was. So one day he was 84, the next day he was 83. And I was like, you know, Marvin, at this point, just doesn't even matter. That's, <laughs> you know, it's all good. That's very funny. So, yeah. Hey, uh, no, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I work with both men and women. They, it's um, all all ages, all cultures. Yeah. What is your view of online dating, which seems to have exploded in popularity over the last 20 years? And in the last few years, we're also seeing uh, an uptick in people that use these these dating apps uh, to meet partners do you find that to be an effective way to meet somebody? Well, the interesting thing is that I actually think it's a great tool. And I'm glad that it was invented. The issue, because there, there's positives and negatives, like with anything in life. The issue is that people assume that as soon as they sign up, they're just going to meet someone. And that's just not the reality. I tell people that unless you have about a month to spend on that app or that site, just don't even bother. And a lot of people just sign up, create these profiles, and then they don't bother messaging people. They don't bother replying. They don't bother getting to know each other, and they expect to just automatically be in a relationship. 
So the, the issue with technology in general is that the more of it we have, the lazier we become, right? Just like with anything in life. So we have way too many apps, way too many dating sites, and people are always looking for what's next. What's better? Grass is always greener. So unless you can stick to it and unless you can be realistic and take it off the app fairly fast and not keep messaging forever, then it becomes frustrating and people give up. So it's kind of both. There are a lot of people, I'm sure you've encountered this and I'm sure you're aware, who prefer to meet people in person. Now, what is the best way? Where, where where are the hot spots? Whether you're a man looking to meet a woman, or whether you're a woman looking to meet a man, what are the best places if you're a single that you can go in person to meet other single people of the opposite gender or even the same gender? Well, you're gonna laugh, but um, <laughs> it's not a bar. And I personally think that the best places for people to go meet, well, first of all, it could be anywhere. You can meet another single person just about anywhere. You just have to leave your house, which people forget, right? Right. So I think the best places are Home Depot, Lowe's, home improvement stores. You know, I'm in California, so we have like Home Depot and Lowe's and all of these true hardware value places. Target, Walmart, Kmart, just shop down the aisle, start talking to people. My son is 23 years old, and he lives out in Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. It's a small town. And I tell him, I know there's not a lot of people out there, but just go to the store. Just start talking to people. And at first, he was kind of pushing back on it. I don't know. How do I approach them? I don't want him to think I'm hitting on them. I'm like, well, don't be hitting on them. Just Start a conversation. Man, this line is taking forever. You think they could get more checkers? Anything. It doesn't have to be a direct, let me hit on you, you know, which women hate. But I actually think that to meet someone in real life is so much better than approaching them at the bar. Because chances are, if a bunch of women are together in a group, most men, and you're a man, tell me, would you really approach a group of women laughing and having a good time? Most likely not, because, you know, you can be intimidating. So I tell the women, go to the bar by yourself or just go to the store and start talking to people, even waiting in line. There's conversations to be had in everyday life, waiting in line at a coffee shop anywhere. Is there a particular type of person that would benefit from utilizing the services of a matchmaker, uh, for instance, you know, you always hear about people that are super busy. Maybe they got a, a stressful job. They're working 12 hours a day and then they've got to commute and they don't have time to hang out at Home Depot or hang out at bars and, and meet people. <laughs> are those the folks that are most likely to use a matchmaker? Or if it's not them, th- then is it uh, some other type of person that's more likely to be a, uh, a matchmaking client? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Most of the people that approach me and other matchmakers are those that just don't have the time. And that's the first thing they say is, I'm tired of online dating. I don't have the time to screen through the people, to message everybody. I need help, which is really what I've been offering for the past few years is like a hybrid service of matchmaking, online dating, coaching, photo sessions, because Without great pictures, you're not going to get very far. So most people that do approach me are just super busy. They have 
busy jobs, careers. They might be parents or they travel a lot for work and they don't have the time to do it. So I do all the work for them. Give me the, you mentioned that you're married uh, 25 years, right? Give me for a veteran couple like uh, you and your husband, (laughs) what is the ideal Valentine's Day situation for you guys? Are you going out? If you're going out, where are you going? Are you staying home? What are you doing? Give me for a couple that's been together for a while. Give me a good Valentine's Day night for you. Well, it's funny we were just talking about that because, well, first of all, you have to know what each one of you likes, right? Because my husband is one of those people that he can shower me with gifts every single day. I mean, that's just him. He loves gift giving. That's probably one of his love languages. You know, I know there's five but I truly believe that there's more than five. And mine is not. Unlike, you know, I guess most women, I I don't really, to me, affection and quality time spent with me is more important. So he knows. He still buys me a gift, and he did. He actually gave it to me because we are officially in California already in Valentine's Day. But to me, that's not what's important. So he knows that I want to spend time. I want quality time. And I know for him, he doesn't want gifts either. He just wants to spend time with me. So I think the most important thing is to know what the other person likes and not keep doing what you think they want or what it is that you like and communicate. Mm. So like, you know, tomorrow we're just going to go and hang out at the beach and go get, you know, early dinner because we're old. Well, we're (laughs) not, but, you know, (laughs) We got a teenager at home, but we're going to go and, you know, just hang out together. Really, I don't need anything fancy. And then we're going to probably come home and cook a fancy dinner for for our son and us. And, you know, because he's still here, can't kick him out. So <laughs> got to include him. <laughs> uh, how, how about a new couple? Maybe one that's dating for five or six months. And this might even be their first Valentine's Day together. What does a couple in that circumstance do? There could be a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations, a lot of questions, a lot of stress in general. What do those folks do? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I think Valentine's Day is great, but it's just so much pressure on people. I really wish it wasn't a thing, Valentine's Day, because people go overboard and they stress. They're so anxious about it. So I really do hope that people don't go on first dates on Valentine's Day because that's terrible. They shouldn't. Just like you shouldn't go on a first date on your birthday. Mm. It's just, you know, I think it's wrong. It's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of expectations. I think, again, you need to communicate. You need to understand that person, what it is that they want to do. You should be creative. And it depends on what that person is into. I think you can talk about things and say, listen, I was thinking we could go for a nice romantic dinner and then go for a walk down the boardwalk or beach or whatever it is, right? What do you think? Does that sound great to you? Now, if they know that person well enough, which in the beginning you don't, it's really hard because you can put it out there and then they come back with and say, well, why didn't you just plan the whole thing for me? I don't want to have to pick what I want to do, which is wrong, you know, because that person doesn't know them so well. So I always say communicate, give them options. 
and well, then a planet. Yeah, no, that's that's good advice. Very pertinent. We're talking with Julia Bendis. Julia, you've got a book out uh, called No Smiling Aloud, Growing Up in Soviet Russia and Other Funny Stories from a Jewish Immigrant. Uh, it's available on Amazon if people want to check out, uh, check it out. Uh, tell folks about it. What's this? What are people going to get out of this book? Well, like I said, it's a, it's a pretty funny book, but apparently it's also um, sad because it is our story coming here and uh, being persecuted and having to basically leave everything behind and come to a whole new country and assimilate and learn new language and culture and everything else. And um, But along the way, there were such funny stories, which it didn't start out as a funny book. I was just writing all these stories down as a memory for my children to pass down, my grandkids. And then when I would give it to people, they would start reading. They were cracking up laughing. I'm like, what is so funny? I mean, like the stories about, you know, when we came here, it was still part of Soviet Union. It was still communist. So we didn't, nobody really knew what banks were. I mean, we knew what banks were, but nobody had money in there. We didn't know what checks were. So my parents would get paid in checks at work, and they would just put them in their desk and leave them there and wonder how the hell they're going to pay the bills. And so finally, someone at my mom's work said, well, why aren't you depositing the checks? And she goes, what do you mean? Well, where do I deposit in it? A bank. What bank? You know, somebody literally had to tell them where to go, how to get their money. Mm. So it's stuff like that. You know, these stories which were heartbreaking at the time now are hysterical, of course. So it's just short, funny stories about stuff like that. Life there, life here. That sounds and great. Just, I, I can't wait to check it out. Uh, again, uh, it's available on Amazon. It's called No Smiling Allowed. Hey, Julia, before uh, we run out of time, uh, since you mentioned that you're from Ukraine, uh, give me your take on what we're seeing in Eastern Europe Europe right now with this Russia-Ukraine uh, war. A- any unique uh, perspective on it, given your history? Yeah, it, you know, it's from day one has that that. Thursday that it all started in February. Um, my son and I both have been helping just with whatever we can um, because it's just it, you can't even imagine the things we hear, the things we we see, and um, the torment, the torture. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of the Russian-speaking world in all over the world, but Russian-speaking people in the United States are actually believing the propaganda and believing that this is a just war and that it should have happened and that, um, you know, this this is for the, the good, the better of, you know, the world, so to speak. So, which is very sad, you know. Um, but if they watch anyone who is Russian-speaking, because as you know, Everybody spoke Russian. They still do in Ukraine everywhere. Sure. But those that are in the United States that have immigrated, a lot of people around the world that follow Russian news specifically on YouTube, all over on Russian channels, um, they're very good at propaganda and they're very good at brainwashing. And it's really, really sad to see that there's people that think this is this is the right thing to do. You know, uh, we're all praying that it ends and. Unfortunately, it's just going to keep going. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, for everybody's sake, hopefully uh, it ends sooner rather than later. Hey, Julia, I really enjoyed the yeah. conversation today. I uh, hope everybody checks out your book, No Smiling Aloud. Hope we can talk again soon. 
Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And uh, if you want to learn more about uh, Julia Bendis or if you're in the market for a matchmaker, you can go to matchbyjulia.com. That's matchbyjulia.com. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll take your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 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 Midnight